This is the Ignition Show, an after-show edition. Hello, everyone. Welcome to or welcome back to the podcast. I'm Chris Jansen, host of the Ignition Show, and today is what we call our after-show. It's a special episode where we look back at the most recent interview and pulled apart to see how the ideas have impacted us. Us, by the way, refers to my wife and business partner, Sarah, and I. We're learning too, and not only have we created this podcast to help provoke, inspire, and fuel your greatness, but we're on our own journey. We want to learn and grow as individuals and as a couple, and heck, we're human too. We have days and moments when we're crushing it, and plenty of moments when we're not. So the After Show episodes are here to help you, help you to deepen the learning, speed the implementation of the great ideas, and accelerate the route to your greatest aspirations and an extraordinary life. We're excited to be on this journey with you side-by-side moving forward with the entire Ignition Show community. We'd love to hear what stood out for you in this episode, so please go to our Facebook group, that's The Ignition Show on Facebook, and join if you haven't yet, and let us know what you heard from this episode that really impacted you. All right, it's time to ignite the spark within you. Let's get to the episode. It was really interesting hearing your conversation with Alan about authenticity, because Oftentimes, I feel these days, authenticity is a word that's thrown around a lot. Definitely. And oftentimes, and maybe this is my my perception, oftentimes it's it's thrown around in the context of, you know, fuzzy, kumbaya, you know, softer, on the softer side of things. And I think what makes Alan's story and his message so unique is just the trauma and the tragedy of his story, of his life story from the time he was, it sounds like four years old. And I'm going to apologize right now for my voice. I'm, I'm a little sick. So there's a, there's a little raspiness, raspiness, but from the time he was about four years old, seeing people beaten up and, you know, beaten to death in South Africa, living in really rough neighborhoods. And then flash forward to him, his army days and, and, or military days and being responsible for killing people, killing the enemy and his journey from that background to having post-traumatic stress for nine years and his journey to, or his journey on the path to authenticity just gives it a little more credence than the, the warm and fuzzy. Mm. So when you said warm and fuzzy earlier, just before we started recording, it really, really did surprise me. I never have associated authenticity with the warm and fuzzy kumbaya. Now, I always thought it was just more of like not putting on a show, not putting on a mask, really truly being yourself, whether that be, um, you know, uh, uncom- expressing that you're uncomfortable with something or you're afraid of something, especially in the business context. You hear that a lot. So I'm curious where the, where the kumbaya campfire songs came where that come from for you i think it comes from my business background where i was in charge of marketing and, and marketing brands for corporate entities like large corporations and it was by the book it was very you know powerpoint scientific this is what we've done before now granted i come from um from pharmaceuticals where everything is is pretty old school but then when i left corporate and i came into this world entrepreneurship that was very new to me as of five years ago, I started learning then about personal brands. And that's when authenticity, and I say that in air quotes, comes into play. 
And it's a much different branding exercise and marketing exercise than it was for corporate. And in my mind, from a marketing and business perspective, it was much softer. It's showing your vulnerable side. It's, it's showing your personal side, whereas corporate was very buttoned up and, and there's a, um, a veneer. Thank you. So that's why when I hear authenticity, I think the softer side of things. Yeah, no, I get it when you talk about it from that perspective. I think when I talk here authenticity a lot, <clears throat> whether you know with my clients or some of the workshops that I've done in the corporate environment, there often is this um, this kind of this internal tension a lot between people feeling that they you know they they also hear that they should be more authentic, and yet for a lot of people, especially a lot of leaders, for some reason they quickly go to oh that must mean. I need to show my vulnerability. I need to talk about what I'm uncertain about or afraid of. And it's remarkable to me that how often the first reaction out of people when you talk about that, they just swing the pendulum to the other side of the other side of the room and think that that means they have to go to their direct team and tell them all the things that they're afraid of. And then I always say to them, well, there's always a way to have conversations to, to be real. You don't have to tell people these things when you're rolled up in the ball of a ball of tears in the corner, afraid like a, like a little cat. You're right. And I think a lot of people sacrifice leadership for authenticity when there's a balance. Mm. And I think great authenticity is a huge part of great leadership. Absolutely. And I think Alan said it really well. His, when he described authenticity from his perspective, it's someone who's comfortable in their own skin. So sure, if, you're, if you have fears you're you're open and honest about them and you're comfortable saying them. But it's also someone who, as Alan mentioned, finds joy wherever they are. And you can feel that with someone who is comfortable with themselves and has dealt with, as Alan says, the trauma that they've had in their life. And can we talk about trauma for a second? Yeah, yeah. And because I like that you stopped him and said, okay, wait a minute, not all of us have experienced something that we would call trauma, but he put it a very different way. Yeah, I know. I love the way he described the, he had the better word than I could, I was stumbling on, but the subtle trauma. And the example he gave was being the first, you know, the first time being um, uh, criticized or yelled at by a parent perhaps. And because I, part of the reason I asked that question was kind of coming from my own point of view is that when he was talking about the trauma, I thought, oh, I don't relate to the idea that everyone has a trauma. But when he said that the subtle trauma, I totally understand that. And I, I don't have any particular memory about the first time I was scolded by my mom or my dad. But, but I really appreciate what he said was that to us as adults, it seems like an insignificant moment. But we forget that as a child, it's a brand new thing where suddenly our source of love or our source of safety is not providing safety when they raise their voice or point their finger or throw something or even worse. And um, it certainly resonated with me as a father and, um, that, um, um, that those, those kind of actions can have a lasting impact. And I see it all the time, especially at some of the events that I go to. There's one recently where the gentleman who's probably in his 50s stood up and told a story of that when he was three years old. And he had a younger one-year-old sibling. Um, in a moment, his mum was taking care of him and said, and mom said to him, you're not going to make mommy cry, are you? 
because mommy was stressed out because the kids were crying and everything else or the kids were acting up. It's a lot of responsibility for a three-year-old. A lot of responsibility. And as a 54-year-old, he's still clinging on to that one memory. Wow. That that has made him an absolute pleaser the entire his entire life. Because there was a threat that someone that he loved, oh, someone that was his source of love, was going to take love away. Well, and I, that was kind of an aha moment when I heard Alan say that, is that it, it's when we realize or when we come back to that we are the source of our own love, that mm-hmm. we are not searching for love from elsewhere. Because as he said it, you know, as kids, we look to our parents as the source of love. And at some point during our childhood, they're going to take that love away. Not permanently, necessarily. And not intentionally. And not intentionally. Oh, perceived as that, as a child. Absolutely. And that resonated with me. Mm. It resonated with me not only as thinking about my childhood and, you know, moments where I got in trouble or perceived my parents to be upset with me, therefore withdrawing their love. But it also resonated with me as a new mom. And even with our six-month-old, I'm... You know, there are moments where I'm more affectionate than, than others. And wow, how powerful is it to think, okay, any one of these moments could be mm. a micro trauma for this little boy. That's right. That's right. And I, I'm so appreciative that we talk a lot about that, about being aware of the impact of our parenting and our, on our child. And I think he's, you know, six, I could be wrong, but six months seems to be pretty young for memories of lasting impact. But certainly shapes behaviors, shapes behaviors on how he responds and interacts to us. Um, but I think coming back to, to the whole conversation with Alan about the path of authenticity, you know, if it had the core premise that when we have, we all have trauma, subtle or overt, and that causes us to question on some level, question, are we doing the right things and are we okay? And that can grow and grow and stack and stack over the years. Especially when it relates to, as he said, every trauma, I think he said this, trauma leads to guilt, shame, fear in our adulthood. Yes. So leads to shame, leads to humiliation, leads to afraid of failing. Absolutely. So what he was saying, which I love, okay, so I've, he was saying that to, to get to authenticity, to get to your authentic self, for him, it was a matter of forgiving himself, which is amazing. We've talked about forgiveness on this show. You've you've had an interview on um, forgiving a um, a family member and the step to 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 forgive someone else. This is the first time we've talked about forgiving ourselves, especially when it relates to authenticity. And Alan's example of how he did it for himself was just so practical and even more so more importantly for me it was so accessible and um so what you're talking about is the standing in front of a mirror with photos of yourself as a younger person various stages of your of your youth or childhood well he was saying stand in front of a mirror or he was and i i interpreted as as this or simply sit there with photos of he what he did and i love this idea he sat there with photos of him at various ages of, of childhood and would focus on one, you know, at various times, but focus on one and then do the hope and open Did I say it right? Ho open open Ho open open I think that's right. Yep. Um, 
which is forgive me. Sorry, I'm sorry, forgive me. I love you. Thank you. I'm sorry, please forgive me. I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And you simply repeat those four phrases over and over again. But for him to do it for himself and put himself in that child's perspective, which is himself, that's so accessible. Like yeah. anyone can do that. Yeah. That's not that's not digging deep into, you know, the seven stages of forgiveness and, you know, everything. That's just sitting down and repeating these four phrases as you're sitting looking at your child itself. That anyone can do. And it is um I, I can't say from personal experience, but uh, knowing a handful of people who have gone through a similar process like that, it is absolutely liberating. And the more and more I go through on my own journey, the more and more I see that what takes us away from being authentic is these layers that we've stacked on ourselves over the years with good intention, all, all designed to keep, us, uh, to keep us safe or to serve us in some way. But... You know, when you hear people who are, or when people want to, as we name the episode, is the path to authenticity, to being more authentic isn't trying to be anything you're not. It's, re it's removing the layers that are not you. And what you're left with is to reveal the greatness of your, of your core, the greatness of your being, the greatness of who you are. Um, and it's a hard thing to wrap, around, wrap your head around a lot. So I also appreciate Well, especially Alan's if you have layers of guilt, point. shame, fear. All of that, if those are the layers that you're removing, that's that's major. Yeah. It seems so simple, right? It's yeah. just remove these barriers. Well, yeah, well yeah, exactly. And as Alan said, it's it's healing is messy, but it's absolutely liberating. Right. And um, uh, and it certainly resonates with me and uh, made me reflect back on a handful of uh, coaching clients that I've had over the last couple of years where either explicitly they were looking to be live more authentically or uh in an indirect way that was a that was an element of it and it just reinforced that it's always about removing what's getting in the way not you know being more or adding more to what you are currently um i think as my one of my old mentors michael neal used to say it's that um we are born as these diamonds and over the years, we pile up all this crap on top of us, which he calls shit. <laughs> and then what we end up to try to present ourselves better to the world is we put a lot of lipstick on the shit. And what right. we need to do is just wash away the shit and our diamond will shine. And I, I, I think it's, um, yeah, it is easier said than done, but it is the path to authenticity. And the more I listen to the conversation with Alan, the more I think about reflecting on this conversation we're having. Uh, it's actually a process I, I'd be very keen and curious about how it would play out for me. You know, I don't have the, as we said earlier, the overt uh, trauma, but there are some probably some subtle traumas or some things that I might uh, notice shows up for me when I reflect on what's been getting in my way over the years of um, achieving even more of my potential. So, yeah, it's a process I, I'd be willing to go through and love, love to experiment with and, and see what the impact is. Do you have any examples that you'd like to, to work on? Well, I think, uh, you know, we were talking the other day that um, um, one of the memories or, I guess, phases that I, I went through as a teenager was um, really wanting to fit in, really wanting to be um, 
part of the gang, so to speak. And um, I think I lowered myself in many ways uh, as I was excelling in various in academically or athletically. I think I, I didn't really embrace some of the, the talents that I had. I maybe shied away from those talents so I wouldn't stand out or, you know, I didn't get, I wasn't never bullied, but I was probably teased a lot for, you know, silly things now, like being a teacher's pet and whatnot. I'm like, well, I wasn't, I just got good grades. Um, it was my point of view anyway, at the time. So just, and I think some of that has shown up over the years where I maybe hesitate to really embrace the gifts or the talents that I have. And you would probably have a perspective on that as well, that maybe I'm overly humble at times or um, um, don't really fully give all that I could potentially towards something. Um, and you're smiling at me. I don't know if you have a perspective on that. Yeah, no, I, I mean, everything you're saying makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, to go through that process, um, to um, forgive that part of me that, that felt I needed to stay, you know, shrink or, or um, play or, small. Or dim your light. Dim, dim my light, yeah. Good way of saying it. Um, to forgive that um, and to see how that would unfold if, if I, you know, by doing that, what would change in my perspective of my past and what would change in my future? So that's definitely something I will, I will do. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I can definitely relate to that too. So many examples come to mind from my teenage days um, that I, I think back to now and I've, I've never, this conversation has made me think, oh, now I have a way to move past that mm. by forgiving myself in this process. Yes. And if that leads me to being more authentic, that would be just the most amazing gift. Sure would. Yeah. So I'd like to hear from anyone who's listening now. Essentially, what I'd love to hear from others is what are you trying to get past and what are you trying to move towards in terms of authenticity? What are you trying to, what diamond are you trying to shine? Great call. That's it for us this week. We'll check to you after the next interview. So there you have it, our after show edition. As always, if you like what you hear, subscribe, rate the show, or leave a review in iTunes. It helps others find us and helps us get better. We actually read every single review and comment that comes through iTunes, Facebook, and our website, and respond to as many people as we can. We especially love hearing your real live voice, and you can leave comments and questions for us to include in future episodes as an audio message by going to theignitionshow.com slash connect. That's theignitionshow.com slash connect. We'd really love to build a community around you and your questions. And lastly, remember, whatever you dream of, whatever you hope for, and secretly wish you had, you're closer than you think you are, you're meant to have it, and you absolutely deserve it. Until next time, I'm Chris Jansen. And I'm Sarah Jansen. And this is The Ignition Show.